and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight after a short break is Josh Cacho. Josh, two wins in a row, comeback win tonight against Dallas. How you feeling? I mean, it's it's it feels like it's been a long time since we've been able to talk about two straight wins, right? Um, probably, I don't remember the last I mean, time, to be honest with you. Yeah, it, it <laughs> may have been sometime, sometime earlier this year, but I'm not entirely sure because the negatives have have overshadowed any kind of positive that we've had for the majority of the season, but it is nice. Um, it's good to kind of, you know, get out there and, you know, and look at some of the positives that we've been seeing as of late, but at the same time, you know, obviously still pick it apart in the way that we will normally do. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good game to just celebrate a win because it, I think it's kind of uh, the definition of winning ugly, um, give away some kind of bizarre goals where, you know, individual players come up looking really, really poor, but um, you also get a hat trick from Chicho that lifts the that lifts you. Um, so it's kind of a scattershot game, but you know we're happy to we're happy to take that win. Still, no help from any other team in the Western Conference in terms of making the playoffs. Uh, right now, we're only keeping pace, which is better than nothing. It's better than losing ground, but. Uh, all those other teams seem to be performing just as well. The teams that we need to, that we need help from anyway, they all seem to be performing just fine right now. So, John, I mean, what what are your, like your initial impressions? Uh, I guess let's go to the beginning because the beginning was really, really bad. I mean, from the start, um, what were you thinking those yeah. first twenty five minutes before those subs came in? I mean, I think. After after the first game, right? So after the the San Jose game, right? Everyone's kind of riding high. Mm-hmm. We look, they looked impressive in that game, and something that we'll you know we'll probably touch on a little bit more, and in the overall discussion, and you know rather than going back and kind of picking that one apart too in too much detail, but um, obviously with on short rest, you're going to get some rotation, right? So we expected to see some of that. But obviously, you didn't expect the form to dip quite as much as it did at the beginning of the game in terms of the cohesiveness that we've seen, right? Um, we saw in the, in the last game was not anywhere there in the second one, right? But it it's a, it's a bit of an encapsulation of the entire season in the sense that this team is consistently inconsistent, right? Yeah. Right when you expect them to be, to play a certain way and to hold to, you know, this style the next game will be completely out the door. Fortunately, they've been able, they were able to kind of make those adjustments, dig deep, you know, and pull one out. But at the same time, I think it's definitely a case in which, you know, the, 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 the initial lineup was, was probably one that, again, that again, it was never going to strike fear in anyone's heart. Right. in fact, you're probably welcoming it if you're, if you're FC Dallas, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's those those individual individual mistakes prove to be costly, just like they have throughout this whole season, right? In this particular game, right, it was what more just how Farfan Farfan did not cover himself in glory in this game, but again, rewind throughout games previously, you know, Mario has hasn't looked great, right? Falls mm-hmm. had a share of, of growing pains, um, you know, again the defense hasn't quite been what it's what it's been since Segura got hurt, right? Someone to marshal it all together. But again, you know, for them to dig deep after giving up those two and to hold, hold Dallas scoreless, um, you know, is a, is a big step. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm with you on just you and I have talked about this so much about the the lack of any sort of consistency in terms of lineup choices, in terms of even the formation that we're playing, how much that changes from game to game to game. Um, and, you know, they, LAFC played a good half against San Jose, the first half of, uh, of that match. And then Janela comes off and Daniel Chrysostomo has to come in um, and, they kind of change up what they're trying to do because Janelle is now out and they end up giving up a goal, get another one late, end up winning three to one, but then they come out again. Janelle is injured. So Chrysostomo is there. Marco Farfan, as you, as you mentioned, is there. Tristan Blackman returns. I didn't think he had a, a great half either, um, but you kind of see them do it again where it's like they come out for 25 minutes and they just look completely lost. The first goal they give up, I, I've watched it back at least a dozen times and I can't I can't understand what they're trying to do defensively. Chris Ostomo kind of like tracks a runner out of the midfield, but then passes him off to Farfan and then just joins the back line. And it's one pass uh cut back into kind of like you know, in front of the goal, and then one more pass away from that for to the to the third man run. And Blackman isn't anywhere near that runner. Blessing isn't in the picture. So I don't I don't know what the midfielders or the wingbacks are doing defensively in terms of man marking as these plays develop, uh, and you go down early, um, and I mean it it looks so bad, and there were so many times that like you said Marco Farfan gets caught wrong footed on defenders coming up to the wrong side, and defenders are just you know turning away from him with ease. Uh, Chris Ostomo got dispossessed. I don't know how many times just in basic possession uh, where Atuesta is able to, you know, take a touch away, sidestep somebody, maintain some, some tight control and, and keep possession of the ball. But anytime he was put under any pressure tonight, Chris Ostomo just wilted um, at me. He just, he doesn't have what it takes to be a holding midfielder, uh, at least in this system, maybe, maybe in a different system, in the league, but not in this one. Uh, there's just too much required of, of that position in terms of being able to stay on the ball, find a smart pass, you know, wiggle away from pressure. The, the typical Sergio Busquets stuff that we all, that we all look for. Not that any of our guys are, are at that level. Um, and Bob has to make subs at the 25th minute. And I mean, credit to him for having the stones to do that. That's a, that's a pretty clear admission that you, that you screwed up the, the, starting lineup when he, you know, 25 minutes and you're ready to make changes. And we saw the return of Bryce Duke, something that I wasn't expecting. I tweeted out, you know, just put on Moose and move Raito back to the 10 and move Sifu back. Instead, we saw, uh, we saw Farfan subbed off for Edwards. And then you saw um, Duke come on for Chrysostomo and then he and Sifu switched spots, uh, which I thought was really encouraging. I mean, what did you think of those two subs? I mean the the Edwards one's interesting because I you know obviously it's he'll never cheat you of effort but obviously that a lot of times the the final product is lacking yeah right yeah and some with some of his play like you know sometimes you know he'll do amazing things and the next thing is completely the other direction but yeah in this particular moment right chasing a goal um 
And, you know, obviously Cheeky being a little bit better defensively, being able to slide in at that, you know, because I think he slid in at left center back at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and 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 then let Edwards do his thing, just flying up and down the pitch. You know, again, it, it didn't look bad, right? And I think, you know, he's he causes so much havoc and so much, you know, with, with the amount of pressure and energy. So when you have him, both him and Latif working as hard as they do all on that left-hand side, you know, Dallas started to have trouble being able to move the ball. And you start to see the press work far more effectively um, than you did, you know, than earlier in the game. And, and again, the I think this is a lineup that's played together, I think, a little bit more than, than, than the one that you saw to start the game. And again, it just felt like they knew they knew where the, each other was supposed to be as opposed to that or that first lineup where yeah. guys were unsure as to who was supposed to be where at times and stuff like that right but and so you know obviously i, I like that and then obviously duke being able to create in the middle you slide sifu back into an eight role where i think that's probably where he's at his best right i mean he's absolutely played, he's played the false nine he's played that 10 role um you know and he's looked okay and at times and you know sometimes great you know in that 10 role but i still think his best attribute because of his physicality one um but two is really to, to just hold the ball um is probably that shuttler position right the mark anthony mm-hmm. k and what he does better than k did is k is that when that available space is there he's he takes it up willingly right mm-hmm. like he'll make those two those two extra dribbles into space and then fire off that pass um, to the runner, as opposed to K, who tended to again try to right, just make that right. turn, waiting for that, that line to step up before hitting the ball behind him. Yeah, absolutely. And so you see some of that build up, you know, really come together, and then you know Duke would just a sublime pass into space to free up, you know, to to, to get the runner, and then you have what I think it was Rodriguez who hit the cross back. That, back it was actually goal. Moose at that point. Uh, that was later in the game after. Uh, Rodriguez was said. Oh, that. that was on that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was the one where uh, where Arango went down. Yeah, right on the His second, second goal. goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, again, they're they're doing good thing. You know, so there's things good things there. Like obviously, Duke at times gets physically when he, you know in as an eight or as a you know that dual t- dual eight dual ten role, whatever you want to um, codify it, depending on who who the coach is, right? Um, from a physical standpoint, I think that's where he probably lacks a little bit more. He just still just gets pushed off the ball far too easily and and, again, and doesn't have that, you know, again, Lee Wynn was not a big guy, right? But Lee Wynn was a guy that when he received that ball with back to goal, could make that turn in the tightest of spaces with with guys hanging on his back. Latif does it the same way. Duke still tends to get bodied off a little bit too much for my liking mm-hmm. um, to be able to be a guy that I consistently could say, okay, he's going to be in that eight or, you know, like in, in what yeah, he yeah. does or in, I mean, in he pulled I mean, the, the one thing I will say is that on that hockey assist that he did have, I mean, he, he wrote a challenge as he was turning out of the pressure, found that pass right away. But I do, I mean, he's a, he's, you know, he is slight. He's, he's young. You see that oftentimes with younger players where they don't understand how to ride that contact quite as well. But mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I thought was interesting when Duke came on, he was pointing, he was looking at Chicho and at Rodriguez and he was showing them like uh, he had he was like holding up two fingers and then one behind it like in a triangle formation which tells me hey they're going they're going to be in a 3-4-1-2 right uh where he's playing underneath them 
but it also tells me that they were changing the instructions from what Sifu was given where he's mm. like Sifu really does play a false nine. Like it, it can be listed as a three, four, one, two or three, five, two, but I think it's probably more accurately described as a three, four, three where Sifu has all the, all the rain of the free reign in the world to get as far forward as he wants to play as a striker or to drop into the midfield. Um, Whereas Bryce, again, plays more of that pure 10 role, which I think suits them all better. Like We've seen Sifu. He's not been a good finisher down the stretch here in the at the end of the season. Um, he's not the greatest at coming back to connect from that position either. I thought him, like kind of like you said, him as as a more of a holding a holding role or or even an eight in this system with Duke ahead of him was much more comfortable. Um, so, I mean, hopefully that's something we continue to see. And if uh, Tuesta is going to be out and Janela comes back, just put Sifuentes and Janela next to each other. Like their, their skill sets are very complimentary, right? Where you have this bruising, uh, midfielder in Sifuentes and this pace setting more Regista type in Janela and then put Duke ahead of them or, you know, bring blessing in as, as right wing back, um, whatever whatever you got to do but the pieces are there i think that's why it's so frustrating is because there are pieces there even though you and i have critiqued and will critique again tonight the roster build um there are workable pieces there to fit what you're trying to do and it's just like just take the easy way (laughs) like just just make it easy just play the guys that fit those roles i don't know i think that's why it's so confusing and frustrating for me josh well, I mean, I think, again, it comes back to our frustration with the roster build and, and how, again, from what we've heard, the emphasis on on how they want to construct the team from a, from a global perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, obviously, if we're just speaking purely about, you know, who who should fit on the field, right? You know, like, there's, there's obvious things that aren't being done or guys that are playing in certain positions. Um, that don't quite make sense, but what what it also does when you how dare you say that about back, Jamal Blackman? Right, but <laughs> I mean, but when you look at but when you look at kind of the bigger picture, right, and you see why would why why do you play Sifu in that role? Yeah, right, as a yeah. ten, right? Why do you play um, Rodriguez at the top as opposed to underneath? Right, where I think he's mm-hmm. probably get he'd probably be the most effective ten if you could play him underneath. You know, in you know, it should Vela return, right? And and you play that three five two, right? That's yeah. that's probably where Rodriguez is going to thrive as as a distributor. But again, uh, the reason why you have to put these guys in these specific positions, and I think the I think Bob's hand's been forced a little bit, is because of the, the again the team's overall goal of being a selling team in the sense that you have to highlight these guys and put them in these positions that other teams so other teams can envision what they look like on their on their own team yeah. right yeah. as opposed to again being a little bit more more pragmatic and playing sifu in a you know in a holding role where you know again i mean and that's where he plays for for um ecuador right yeah. on the national team he's in you know in a double pivot um and is a shuttler which i think this is probably his best position right or you know like if you were to compare it like he's not a half space merchant right in the way yeah. that in the How way that like a Dav- right in the way that a David Silva is or yeah. or a Kevin De Bruyne right mm-hmm. he's more of 
like the Liverpool Genie Wijnaldum eight, where you're going to flatten out and get into the get into the you know in you're going to defend that space behind the bombing the bombing wing back, right? I think yeah. that's where he does his his be- and then and then from there connect, right? Where now if the wing back is that far up, then then he can make that run inside from from that more central you know from that flat in that role as opposed to a guy that's trying to operate in between the lines again he i just don't see you know that that ability on him yet right like you know we we vince had brought up you know is is he potentially that ross barkley type player that we've been looking for that can kind of sew it together in the field either and you know maybe a part of it is just a needs basis because you haven't had three guys in front of him to allow him to sew it all together but Thus far, I also haven't seen it when he's been in those specific roles to be able to make that pass. Like again, he's not Firmino either, dropping in from that from that central role into the midfield, then hitting you know, then hitting a Diego Rossi, making a diagonal run. Mm-hmm. Right? He's he's never seen that pass. You know, right. we haven't seen it from him. Um, you know, he, that's again, he's more, that's a really interesting point that you bring out that you bring up about him having multiple people ahead of him that are threats as opposed to him playing the false nine where he is the threat, right? He's the one that has to create all the havoc. But like, why is the FC Dallas going to respect Cifuentes the the way that Real Madrid would, would respect Messi playing the false nine? And I understand it's kind of a hyperbolic comparison, but that's the fault. That's the original false nine, right? Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, the reason why you do it right is because that person has has to have the the walking gravity to yep. pull people yep. towards him to now open up the space in behind for for attacking wingers right and so again, again liverpool like is the is one of the example or even is because firmino is not a high output goal scorer right but yep. he play, he can operate as a you know like as a true 10 if you really need him to where he'll drop in and work and then can hit that pass, right? Mm-hmm. When has Sifu been able to hit that that pass to the guy running, right? Or or can combine in yeah. that same way. Um, we just haven't seen it from him. Um, well, so I mean, that's where... But that's kind of what I'm getting at too, is like what you were saying. The, the false nine, right? They start on the back line and they drop into the midfield knowing that the center backs are going to follow them and it pulls apart their back line. But like, so... Dallas comes out in this four-two-three-one today, um, so that places Sifu as a false nine right in between the two center backs. And when he moves, they're not going to; those guys aren't following him. They're just going to pass him off to the to their own double pivot and say, "Well, fine, go be bracketed by our two defensive midfielders." Where when you bring Bryce Duke on, and he's playing as a pure ten, he's going to set up in between those two banks, right? He's going to set up in between those lines. That's his job. That's his responsibility, and. He's fully capable of receiving the ball in between those lines and then playing that pass away. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think you're onto something here with Sifu really needs to be coming from farther back uh, with people occupying those defenders so that when the defensive, you know, when the when the back line steps up, he can play the pass in. Or if they don't respect him, then he's able to beat one or two guys on the dribble as he's moving but not necessarily the guy who's going to receive it in between the lines and, and then dish from there. Like, like Bryce Duke will. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think the way that they're currently using him is not quite 
using using two man's advantage, right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's 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 you know if he's if you know if you're playing FIFA, if he's a 70, 75 ranking at center mid, right? His if you put him at the thing, he drops down, not not maintains or goes up by moving him to that forward position. Yeah, yeah. Right. right? The way that. You know, or you know, like in like Messi, you can put him in those different positions. He's going to continue to see because he's Messi, right? Mm-hmm. Sifu is not that. He's a good player. He's a great player for us. You know, there's definitely good things that we can see from him. But he, again, he he to me, he doesn't have he doesn't have the the gravity, the way that even a Carlos Vela would in that same position to be able to yeah. pull guys and and create space without actually having to move. Or right. without actually having to have the ball in it, you know, at his feet. Yeah, I mean, are you really that? And again, this is no. I'm not trying to throw shade at Sifu. I'm just. It's just like trying to understand what they're doing tactically with him. Like he's not a dominant goal scorer. He's not going to get the ball in that position and beat two guys and then also beat the keeper with the shot. Right? It's going to be receive a pass, one move. And then hit the ball as hard as I can towards the net. And it's probably going to go over, right? That's that's mm-hmm. like his MO uh, where he misses wide open shots like he did the other week where it's like he's trying to roof just a, a shot that has to be passed into the corner. And he just shoots it over the goal as a result. But um, so like you're saying, teams don't have to respect him in that same way because uh, that's not it's just not the player that he is. And it's OK. Just don't play him there. Yeah, I mean, and it's pick your poison, right? I mean, like yeah. when you think about the the lineup that they started with, Arango has been so hot, right? That mm-hmm. are you know, are you really going to drop, you know, have one of the have one of the your center backs, you know, try and chase Sifu out when you know that Arango's yeah. lurking in those spots, yeah. right? Absolutely not, right? And even who started up there with with Arango today, Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez, and Rodriguez is, has shown that he's dangerous enough. You don't want to leave him either, right? Like yeah, yeah. Rodriguez scored one of the best, better goals of the season, right? In the, in in a solo effort, so yeah, he's a guy a that you, you know those two on their own are guys that you that have the gravity to do what you yeah. what Sifu is. But again, if you're Dallas, I'm saying okay, Sifu, he's the guy that I want to make me beat him to beat us. Yeah. The right? decoy if, has if to Dallas. be a legitimate. Like he's got to be a legitimate threat for it to work. I, yeah, that's a that's a great point. Versus, you know, like I said, versus under normal circumstances. Like I said, if it's Carlos Vela in there and you have with those other guys, okay, yeah, right. That's gonna move. It's gonna move some things around. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, it's like if I have to choose between the three of them, he's the guy that I'm gonna say, okay, let's see what you got. Yeah, right. Yeah. I I trust that my my center back, you know, can go one on one with you, you know, in in a pinch. If I, you know, as opposed yeah. to some, one the other two guys who. Again, have a little bit more, you know, have shown a little bit more and, are, and have been more goal dangerous throughout the year to the point where you would you obviously yeah. be concerned. Well, I didn't expect to get into <laughs> details on LAFC's false nine versus their 10, but I like where that went. Thanks, Josh. Um, so Edwards comes on. It's Edwards that wins the penalty. Um, good on him for doing it. Again, we've been really hard on Edwards. He's, he, I don't really need to see him all that often, but every once in a while he'll turn up and do something uh, really positive. And tonight it's trying to hit a ball over somebody's head and then getting stomped on and uh, earning a penalty, right? So uh, Chicho steps up, he does his stutter step, and then he does the uh, 
with the little hop that I hate. I hate the stutter. I hate the hop, Josh. And the Dallas keeper gets a hand on it, but it has enough power, enough spin, I think is really what it had enough of to to roll across the, the goal line there. Um, which I think uh, you mentioned scuff already, scuffed already. Uh, Greg Velasquez mentioned that one of his favorite goals to see is the goal that crosses the line, but doesn't hit the net. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, he was talking, he was talking about the Tim Weah goal from the last window, how it just kind of like spun and then died. And you say, you see it again here, an interesting crossover there, but um, Josh, what is your take on the stutter step and the, and the, the, the hop? Uh, I think I've mentioned it before to me, the, all the extra stuff is a sign of weakness in your yeah. lack of confidence and your yeah. ability to just to put it in. Like, you know, again, I feel like every time I've seen Messi take a free kick, uh, a penalty, it's, he knows exactly where that ball is going to go. Right. It's yeah. upper 90 where no one else is touching that ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus this one feels like you're trying to get them. You're trying to do a little bit too much to get them to react. So it's easier on you, but often doesn't work out in that same way. Right. So, um, you know, that I, I'd like the, like as of late for, you know, Liverpool solid, just kind of puts a boot behind and just, just yep. tortures it. But again, you're talking about, to you know the most informed player in the entire world at the moment yeah, yeah. and and likely the best player of a generation right, right. so again i'm gonna i'm gonna cut arango a little bit of slack for not being those guys but yeah i mean i get it if if you if you can reliably get a keeper to move by changing your run up a little bit from what he's seen before and so you take an extra step or you pause for half a second longer in your in your stutter or you do the hop or you don't do it and you get to jump early of whatever it is. And then you can just take a nice easy shot once they move. Okay. I get, I get the idea behind it. And I think eventually keepers are going to be better about understanding that timing and they'll stop jumping so early. Uh, once they do, I think it, I think the jig is up because you can't get, you can't generate enough power as you're coming down out of the air, like Joseph Martinez. Um, so if you can if you can manage to stay disciplined as a keeper, you're going to save it. But I'm kind of with you. Pick a spot, hit it. Uh, pick a spot where it can't be saved, and hit it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that's uh, that's obviously pretty nitpicky for me. Oh, for sure. I mean, and the thing is, you know, in in those, I think it's just a matter of time before you, the baseball nerd, get a hold of it. Right, like because the XG again, nerds, think, is that what you're talking about? No, I mean, if we think XG is bad, baseball takes it to a whole nother level. Oh yeah, like I was uh-huh. reading, I was I was yeah. reading some article today about the Dodgers and how they have their new, that like they had created a whole new pitch based on the spin rate of the ball or some of that where mm, they lost velocity okay. but it got more drop. And I'm telling you, like I said, if you the you know they have the American football has a little armband, so they remembered all the plays. Just mm-hmm. wait to start seeing it on the goalies for penalty kicks. They get, like they're going to have a list of every tendency that every guy has. Well, didn't who somebody had it this weekend in the premier? Was it the Premier League? One of the keepers had it on their water bottle. Yeah, he had he had Again, pictures not- of like 
Ah, oh, man, who was that? I, I want to say it was Jordan Pickford, but I think I'm wrong. Well, he's uh, annoying, anyways. So that yeah, because it, it was at a big club. Not, <laughs> but this this keeper had had pictures on the on his water bottle of like the the opposing team's top two penalty takers and where they go. I'm gonna try if I can find it. I'm gonna try and see if I can find it here. But but yeah, sorry, go but ahead. Like I kind that, of burst in on that. No, but the, the, those types of things I think are are what you're starting you're going to start to get more and more and more in terms of how the how the game is broken down how how it's how it's tried to analyze and again it's in in baseball it's taken quite a bit of fun out of it and um because of the shifts what they allow them to do with the shifts and some of those things but i wouldn't be surprised if some of those things start to filter its way you know again because it happens in it's happened in American football. It's happened in basketball in terms of the three-point revolution. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, it's only a matter of time be- be- before the m- the money makes sense for you to de- to deep dive that much, right? Right, right. There, there was like, a so uh, John Mueller, uh, the space, space, space writer, um, who. I go back and forth on, he's the one that put out the big, uh, at the beginning of Matt Turner mania, he put out the article about, uh, how he keeps his legs close together and he's able to be a superior shot stopper because he's able to generate more power or something like that, which is all fine and good. Uh, I think that's probably getting a little bit closer to what you're talking about, where you're like too far into the statistics. Um, but he wrote an article about, Barnsley ball while Daryl while Daryl DK was there and what they were doing and how their idea is like no matter where we get the ball we just send it straight into the opposing penalty area that's all we do and we we put as many guys up there as possible at all times and send the ball straight up there the idea it's like the old put it in a dangerous area and see what happens type of thing and how the statistics mm-hmm. were on Barnsley's side uh, as a result Man, I'm having a hard time. Okay, here it is. No, it was Jordan Pickford. Ugh. Jordan it makes me Pickford. like him even less. <laughs> I'm sorry I called him a big club in front of you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, that's questionable. <laughs> so yeah, he's got a he's got a I can show you on the screen here. Uh but he's got a water bottle with hmm. pictures. And it's, it says penalties noble where he goes and penalties Antonio where he goes. Oh, and then also for for Rice. But anyway, yeah, I mean, but it's the thing. It's like especially if you get into like the penalty shootouts, understand having, you know, like I said, a broken down percentage of the likelihood. You know, obviously there's going to be moments where you know, like in baseball, where the guy pulls the ball the other way. It happens. Yeah, yeah. But it's far more likely, or pushes the ball away. But it's far more likely that they hit it to. That you know, the, to that dominant side where you know the percentages show that that's the, the likelihood, and then I think yeah, you start, yeah. you're going to start to see that, especially in an era where I think you know football players are overcoached, right? Yeah. And guys have become more predictable in terms of how they play because you have people that don't allow for that creative freedom to blossom at a young age, and you have people saying, "This is how you have to play, mm-hmm. have to play the game." Right and and the, I think the more that that happens, the 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 likelihood you know again it just becomes more robotic and and 
and the pattern, you know, again, it's that Greg Berhalter ball where, where it's, it's just sticking to this pattern and to this particular tactic because the, this is what we think that we're supposed to, you know, this is good as opposed to, again, it's, okay, here's, here's the philosophy and we're going to feel our way through it, right? Yeah, um, the, the players are no longer making decisions based on what, like the information that they're taking from the field, right? Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like this sometimes, not as much when I watch Bob, and I texted you earlier in the week or last week, and I said, I feel like Bob is discount Pep, and I feel like Greg is discount Bob. And that might be insulting to all three coaches. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, I feel like, especially when I watch Greg's teams, it is it's all this is we have this idea of what we're supposed to do but those players don't have the right skill sets to do it right where it's read what the defense is giving you and then make the decisions like that i guess it's like uh it's like the difference between a rookie qb so like uh jared goff in his first year with sean mcveigh where they would get to the line super fast and then sean mcveigh would read the defense while the while the audio was still on in, in Goff's helmet. All right, here's here's what they're showing you. This is where you're going to go with the ball. And so Goff had like this great year as opposed to Tom Brady where he gets up to the line. He's like, I've seen this defense a million times because I'm a thousand years old and I have a, a deal with the devil and Tom picks out the right pass. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what's missing from Greg's teams that Pep's Barcelona teams had, for example. And again, crude well, example, I, I realize that's kind of hyperbolic. No, but. but I mean, I think there's something there in the sense that, but I think the the issue that comes up is obviously when it's money spent, right? With all three yeah. levels too, yeah. right? In the sense that like, this is to a certain degree, like Pep's, Pep's philosophy is, is, is money ball taken to the nth degree. Right where you you know money ball juiced by you know juiced by um, oil money, right? Well, and, the, Versus, and and you create and like you, with him with Barcelona, like they created these players over decades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, they raised these FIFA players like you would in a video game, right? Yeah, and but when you couldn't when you couldn't do that, then now you have to have you know you have to buy it, yeah. right? If you're at yeah. Man City, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's because it, it's to a certain degree it can become mechanical in the way that the approach is, right? And I think that's often been a criticism of of Pep's guys that like he's so dedicated to this is how we have to play the game that you know sometimes I don't know if his guys can feel it out, and then times he's he the fortunately for him he's had maestros that can deviate from his system long enough to be able to make amazing thing happen yeah. whether you know whether so if you're at when he's at barcelona he has messi and and xavi and iniesta right like mm-hmm. those guys i think you know for as much as they you know they bought into the system they also knew when not when not to follow the system yeah, yeah. you know versus you know then then you take it to bob at lafc where you had guys like mark and the cave that are almost too ingrained in it to be able to actually see oh i can dribble three feet you know four you know i can dribble 10 yards further and then pick the pass as opposed to just turning that's a that's a really really good point there josh right and then you go to burhalter which is an even more discount because now you don't have the time to develop that same philosophy Mm -hmm. and it just never comes quite together the way that it did you know again if you're if you're the spain national team and half your team plays for barcelona it's a whole different thing to do those those tiki taka things or whatever the way that they did 
but to do it now with guys who are playing different styles of football all over the world and expect it to to meld it's a whole different story again yeah. with bob i think that's that's where bob's limitation is in terms of he he doesn't always have the talent to match what he's asking them to do and that's where the inconsistency inconsistency now creeps into the team especially in a year now where you've lost your your top tier players right like atlas yeah. is out right now you you know rosie was 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 streaky Rodriguez hasn't always been available. Vela hasn't been available. So when you have those guys not being able to be there, that can now step out of the system and create when 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 you need it. You don't like those guys don't have to be perfect to win games, right? Mm-hmm. The guys that are currently on the field have to play a perfect game to come away with results. Yeah. And we've seen it at times of the year. Like we beat Kansas City with a team that had no business beating Kansas City, right? Or we tied Seattle with a team that had no business tying Seattle, right? But then we lose to San Jose 4-1 or whatever the heck it was. Or we mm-hmm. lose to Houston. Or you lose to team to a Portland team that you probably shouldn't have lost to on that night. And a lot of it just becomes is, is a personnel thing. And that's where, again, I think that my biggest issue is still with JT more than anyone else. You know, like, yeah, 100%. You know, like, yeah, like I can't blame the players for not being, you know, I can't blame Diego Rossi for not being Sadio Mane. Right. right. Like that's what right. they ask him to do, but he's not that guy. Right. Yeah. Carlos Vela is not Lionel Messi for as much as he looked. He's looked like at it for a week or two at a time. Even when he was in La Liga, he's not him. <laughs> right. Like, again, like yeah. you'd have a month span where, where Carlos Vela is up there with Ronaldo and Messi, and then you won't hear from him for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because that's just how it, that's just how things are, right? There's a reason why he's there and those guys are over there. Um, and the yeah. same thing, same thing goes for the, you know, again, whereas again, maybe I'm just, this is my Liverpool blinders coming on. I feel like Klopp has a better idea of how, how to feel a game, right? I think there's guys who are managers, you know, I think, I think Alex Ferguson was a better at feeling a game than the, than, than Pep is at times. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause if, Technically, if you look at the rosters that those guys have, Pep should win every single year with the money that's spent, you know. But again, I think Simeone is a really good is another example of a guy. And Bielsa, those are guys that feel the game and know how to pull those strings when the time comes, regardless of the talent that they have there. Um, again, I, I'm not sure, Bob. I think you, I'm not sure you can quite do that in Major League Soccer, and I, I, don't, I don't know that guys that are married to a system in the way that you know, that that Bob and Pep is to a certain degree are able to adjust on the fly. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you're, I think you're right. It, you definitely can't rely on that. I think you can, um, you can kind of like strike gold in MLS where LAFC can have a season like 2019 and you're going to do great. But then the next year, if you don't if you don't tweak a few things, which I think is where Seattle gets it right, um, they know exactly how to tweak their roster and bring in a Kellen Rowe or an Alex Roldan to help stem them during injuries or whatever. Where LAFC is always looking to, again, as we've talked about, what's the next big thing out of South America? Right? They're not they're not okay taking Alex Roldan. They're going to go sign. I don't know. Diego Palacios, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of a fullback that they've signed that's like maybe a bit of a reach, but 
Um, no, but I mean, but I mean, look at I mean, or or I mean, the sad thing is Nahar is playing really well in DC now. Now that he's kind of healthy, but I mean, I think like Palacios is a perfect example, right? You paid a fair amount for him, right? He's on Tam level money, but the production is no better than Alex Rodan, and they're probably paying Alex Rodan. Hundred fifteen thousand dollars, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And well, you know, pennies. Like, and Palacios didn't even. Uh, Palacios did start today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you how know, many games has Palacios not started though for in favor of Farfan or Edwards? Yeah, but I mean, and Palacios has played. He's, he's played okay. Right? Yeah, I, I, but I, I, uh, Palacios was probably the wrong example to bring up. I was just right. trying to think of a direct correlation. No, but but he's also but. he hasn't played again. Like if you're. LAFC would rather spend a million dollars on a guy that play that plays okay instead of a hundred thousand dollars on an MLS guy like Alex Rodan that'll give you the same production. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, yeah. Th- that's where again I think the 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 thought process and how they build this team is is a bit off, right? right. It, at least to be re- you know to be consistently successful in Major League Soccer because I think ultimately that's that's where you get that consistency from. Can you bring in a guy like Kellen Rowe, who's 28 years old, or Brad Smith, you know, that are MLS guys? Like, that is their peak, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's fine, right? Like, that's why I think Latif is so great for our team. Yeah. Right? Latif's 100%. peak is, is what he does for this team. Who is the better right? signing to play midfield, Latif Blessing or Francisco Janela? Yeah. Or Latif Blessing, versus even Sifu, right? right? Yeah. Like, Latif... Latif, as you know, the only person that you can say is probably is better than him, is Atuesta, and Atuesta was a guy that wasn't highly rated either. Yeah, right. Yeah. This in the same way that we were expecting Palacios, Sufuentes, Janela to really take off, and especially at the price right. tag. Right. Right. So again, I think that's where, again, the the front office has done done some disservice in looking too far forward in terms of sales, as opposed to building a roster that's going, you know, again, that's going to compete. Like, mm-hmm. don't tell me that if we stuck a if we stuck Alex Ring in the midfield, that this team isn't right, right? You know, winning games hand over fist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You know, that's a, it's an interesting transition right there. Before we get into questions, because I uh, tweeted out something about Tomas Romero, kind of in jest, kind of serious, and. One of our friends in 3252 who has regular meetings with the front office <laughs> tweeted at us that uh, it it's because they thought they could flip some a free agent quickly. Um, now that could all be speculation. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But it's an interesting thought as you talk about they're always looking to the future. They're always looking to to put somebody on the field that might not need to be there. But if you look at Jamal Blackman as a guy who they saw could use just a hand up, just need some games and then we can flip them and sell them and Tomas Romero still here next year. That's an interesting thought into, or that's an interesting look into the way this front office has continually went and signed people. And you're sometimes we're like, what, why are you signing another guy at this position? What we already have somebody there to mark to end his backup in place. Why are you bringing in this other guy? Um, so it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear you say, maybe, maybe they have, too much of an eye towards the future and selling people uh, because there's this for now unconfirmed rumor that <laughs> that's what they were doing Jamal Blackman. But yeah, um, I mean, but again, I mean, the track record is there, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. that's like, 
if you sign Palacios and early, you know, in that year, and Jordan Harvey still outplayed him, yeah, right for the for the rest of the year, yeah. Um, you know, it didn't matter who. Like, we still haven't had a better right back than than Stephen Betashore, right, right. right. You know, and you didn't want to pay those guys. You know, granted, they're to the words end of their careers, right? You're probably not going to get the same level of production in that in that same spot. But again, we haven't had it. We haven't had guys produce at the level of those two, which is sad considering the money we've spent at those same positions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> same thing in the midfield, right? Like we haven't, you know, for as much money as we've currently spent. How many of them have been better than the combination of Atuesta, Mark Anthony K, and Latif together? Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's just the 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 proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and again, throwing, and so that's the thing is like the the times where they've been most successful has been in when they've actually had to do deep scouting and find guys that you know find diamonds in the rough as opposed to finding the guy that everyone <laughs> thinks is going to play well and then turns out to be well, whatever right yeah. that's been rodriguez right that's to you know um you know and some of these other guys you know that's been janela to a certain degree right i think janela's been better as of late you know you can see some of those things coming together but you know he's not without his faults um but yeah again i i get i when you look at the inconsistency of the season it's it, you know. Again, I'm I'm not. I thought I was in the Bob out group. I'm no I'm no longer Bob in or Bob out. I'm just JTL because <laughs> again, I think, you know, you know, or whatever whatever the whole thing is. Again, I I just don't buy that he that his that his vision for the team is is lines up with what. The, you know what a successful franchise major league soccer looks like yeah right? like he's about to make this team closer to fc dallas than it is to seattle and i'm not sure that's the direction we want to be headed yeah it's an interesting point for sure uh last thing i'll say because i have a microphone and i'm going to use it to dunk on somebody right now uh another response to that was that tomas romero is too short josh he's too short you want to know how tall Tomas Romero is? Um, what, six foot something? Seventy three inches tall, which is six one. Guess who else is six um, one? And an okay keeper. Uh, the greatest Concacaf player of all time, Kaylor Navas. <laughs> you guessed it, Kaylor Navas, and, and Real Madrid legend, multiple and Champions then, Leagues. Oh, let's go to another Real Madrid legend who is also not very tall, and that would be Iker Casillas. Who is yes. six foot on the dot, and I'm, and I think that's a generous six feet tall, because he is. Ter Stegen, do you know how tall Ter Stegen is? Five eleven, six two. So oh, he's a little bit taller. If that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that extra inch really does matter all that much in in goalkeeper height, then fine. Tomas Romero is too short to be Ter Stegen. Nick Romando, who played. Perfectly good soccer in MLS for a long, long time. Five nine, and 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 currently has more championships than anyone on our team combined. Yes, five nine. So I don't want to hear about Tomas Romero's too short. 
and that Jamal Blackman needs to be in goal just because he's huge. That dude only was sa- he was saved today from being chipped embarrassingly by a crossbar and nearly got chipped again. It was just a really poor effort. But I mean, dude, he is. Oh, Josh, I, I don't I don't know if I've seen a goalkeeper for LAFC that that gives me that much fear. I like. I, I don't know what to expect when he's back there. I mean, there all. is a guy named Kenneth Vermeer who constantly letting goals that I'm not even sure should have I, I, should be I think I'd rather have Vermeer in goal, and that's saying something. I don't want either of them, but my goodness, Jamal Blackman is something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, but again, he's 6'6", if, so I guess that matters, but, right? But if the rumor, if if what we you know what we've been told is true, Right, then that still goes back to the point of the front office. The front office's goals do not, again, are are not necessarily conducive to winning games. Right, if they're if they're making a quick buck as opposed to actually trying to put the team in the best position to to win, then mm-hmm. that's a problem. I agree. Yeah, because at this point, why not just give Romero all the minutes and let him develop? Because he's going to be here for a while. I don't know. I mean, right. yeah. Worst case scenario, if you if you let Romero have all the minutes, he, again, he's been a good keeper. I if we if we wanted to look into the stats and like what his and everybody knows my feelings about XG, but like what his expected goals are, and like how how he performs against that measure, I would imagine he's a good keeper. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't. I don't, I'm not a baseball nerd, so I don't know how to look all that stuff up, Josh, but maybe somebody can help us there. Um, but it's not like he's a bad shot stopper. He's, he's really good with his feet. So, I mean, he's a modern keeper. I think, you know, there was the interview that he did about the, the goalkeeping coach wants to come out and be aggressive. And he talked about how he wants to be an aggressive keeper. Maybe that's what got him in trouble. I mean, I know he had the bad game against San Jose, but man, uh, it seems crazy. It seems crazy that Romero is on the bench. It seems crazy to me that Cisniega is on the bench behind yeah. behind Blackman. But I mean, Cisniega. I mean, the passing, the 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 lack of ability to pass was yeah a problem. No, I mean, we chronicled that <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. But still, man, I don't know. I don't know. All right, you ready for some questions? Let's do it. All right, Michael Peck at Mikey Peck. At times, we look fantastic and completely terrible. The lack of a solid holding midfielder really showed. Chrysostomo is just good. Is just a good late-game sub, not a replacement for Atuesta or Janela. Duke is a guy who delivers even when the right pieces aren't in place around him. Um, Josh, take it away, man. I mean, way, way to make us feel good about ourselves in terms of you know your observation there because <laughs> pretty sure that was the first 20 minutes of the podcast yeah but i mean i think you know i think he's right like chrysostomo he's a hard worker he's decently skilled on the ball does does some good things but you don't want him to be on there for 90 minutes right yeah. i mean if he's the if he's the 20 the 18th player in your roster i'm okay with it but mm-hmm. asking him to be at Tuesta is probably not fair to him and so yeah, yeah. I think it's, he's, I think he's he's fine, you know. But again, I, like, do I want him to be the centerpiece of our team? Absolutely not. Right, and I mean, he came highly touted from uh, from Vegas. The, the Vegas 
build him as their best midfielder, even though I think that's always been Frank DeRoma. Um, but he's the kind of guy that you want to have on the back of your bench. And don't take this the wrong way, but he's American and he's cheap, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't take up an international slot unnecessarily. Um, and he he doesn't cost you a whole lot of money to be riding the bench, whereas like Francisco Janela costs a ton of money and you never play him. So something's got to give there. Um, and Duke being the guy that delivers, yeah, I mean, he's he's been great. He's going to continue to get better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the roster because I think he, uh, like Chris Ostomo, but at a higher level, can be one of those Americans that starts like in the Seattle model, I guess, right? Like the Christian Roldan mold. Mm-hmm. If Elliot, speaking strictly as an LAFC fan, if he ends up being Christian Roldan for the next seven or eight years for LAFC, LAFC are going to be in a great spot in their midfield because they have a locked in starter who floats in and out of, you know, the top five to 10 midfielders in the league. Um, and they'll have them on a cheap deal. So, all right. And Savito Loco at Elisoka uh, Trucho. If Vela ever recovers before the season is over, keep the captain armband away from him and sub him in towards the end of the game. The chemistry is no longer around Vela. Thank you, Vela. But it's time to face reality, and he's not that guy anymore on our team. Ooh, Josh. I mean, talk, talk about a hot take. Um, it's spicy. I like it, though. I yeah, like that I spice. Mean, I think there, there's, a, there's some truth there, right? I, well, let's start with that. Um, I do think that this, the chemistry in this team um, is, is centered around Arango at the moment. Yep. Right. Like, guys 100%. genuinely, yeah, undeniable. Guys genuinely seem to like being around him. Yeah. Right. In the way that it seemed like guys like being around Latif. Right. And, and yep. I think you put that crew together and it seems like, like they brought a little bit more fun back into the locker room. Yeah. And I think I, I, I think I pointed out that out maybe a month or two ago. And I think it's one of, I think it had some traction because I think it was one of the, my more uh, highly engaged tweets in, 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 this is also coming from, from people within the organization were, were liking it as well in terms of, you know, again, just to see the atmosphere that he brings yeah. to the team, I think is, is different than we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and something that we. I mean, look at. I mean, just the celebration, right? Mm-hmm. The celebration alone, tongue out, peace sign up. Like, I mean, that's and that it, like it's so ubiquitous now that LAFC did a whole interview with him about it. Like, tell us where this came from. Oh, it came from my favorite anime. It's like, how could you not love this guy when he's mm-hmm. he like ripped off this celebration move? from some anime that he watches and the whole team loves it. Like every, uh, that's yeah, that's a hundred percent. I like spot on. Like this is his team. To me, it's, it's, it's getting to the point where it's like Joseph Martinez levels of, of likability, right. In terms of how Atlanta embraces him and how the team seems to embrace the things that he does. Um, that's, kind of what I'm starting to feel like how people are looking to Arango. And again, in the production this is interesting. Is too. This is interesting. Bad haircut. Uh, very clear celebration, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The little hop on the penalty kicks. <laughs> the only difference is from the other side of the border, right? He's Colombian, not Venezuelan. So, yeah. 
So, I mean, Sign obviously, me up. I love you it. Know, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot there. We'll see what what the contract situation looks like going forward. Right? Does he become a, a guy that slides into a DP role down the road, depending yeah. on obviously what what becomes of guys like Carlos Vela and Atuesta and and Brian Rodriguez? Like, I think there's still a lot to be unfolded. Um, but I think I think the locker room dynamics have shifted in favor of in favor of him being that guy. Now yeah. I still think the I I still think the actual captain in terms of when you think of what that means is probably Atuesta still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that guy is the guy that like when he talks everyone listens. Right. Yeah. That, that's yeah. still the vibe that I get from 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 there. Mm-hmm. Um versus I think Vela is 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 still the talisman. Right, he's still he's still the guy that can do things that no one else can do. Yeah. Um, whether or not that's worthy of of the armband, you know, again, I think year one proved, you know, was was probably proof proof there. Where I think you had other guys that actually led this team, or year one and two, right? Like the guys that led this team year one was Saman, and year two was Stephen Betashore, right? And mm-hmm. I think. Um, even though the armband sat somewhere else, the leadership was the leadership structure was clear, and I definitely think the last, few, you know, this year and last year, that that structure, you know, is a little bit a little bit dicey at the moment in terms of like it's almost like he sits on an island on a tower on his own, and then you have everyone else together on yeah. the other one. Yeah, right? it's a little so more Ronaldo esque than you know. Absolutely, somebody. Right? It's it's like a true part of the team, right? It's Vela Island because he can do Vela things, and then you have Chicho with everyone else partying. Yeah, right, it's kind of how how the vibes are at the moment. Yeah. All right, Rick at Yoyo Torre sixty six Vela in or out for the remainder of the season. So we can do this. If, we can do this a couple ways. I think we give our opinion on whether or not he's even available for the rest of the season. And then if we want him in or out for the rest of the season, Josh, is he available? You are the expert here. Is this quad injury um, <clears throat> real or, <laughs> or is it, is it a, a cape, a case of uh, Europeitis? I mean, the tough thing with muscle, any kind of muscle injuries, right, is the final step of return to play is literally just, do you have pain when you run? Yeah. Right? And structurally, everything could be there, but if the brain is not on board with the activity, yeah, then you can't do it. Yeah. Right? So it, it it is fairly subjective because, again, even though it's healed, there's still... There, Again, there still may this be discomfort, and again, when you're when you're dealing with the amount of money, he's the highest played player in the in the league, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're dealing with that kind of cash, you're going to treat it with kid gloves, um, and generally the training staff is, is is pretty conservative in terms of making sure that guys are they're not going to push guys back to be ready before they actually are, um, and so that that's kind of the tough thing there, right? And from that from the medical purely medical perspective unless he had a severe like a more like a more severe tear than we were led to believe right the muscle in itself should have healed the question just becomes what is his comfort level with doing what he does on the field for 90 minutes you know again the only person that can answer that is him um 
then on the second things, the you know, is does he have uropitis? You have to wonder. I don't know what his motivation is. I don't know, and I think that's a question that that's been asked of Carlos Vela for his in, the entirety of his career. What moves? What moves him, and what gets him going? It's clearly not football, on a, at least regularly. Yeah, and I think he has those moments where he's playing well, where he's motivated to win the MVP or score a bunch of goals or whatever it may be. But you know, again, we've we've the knock on him has always been that it's not his passion, and there's always some. He's always been looking. He, he's a guy that always is looking out the window at what's next. Mm-hmm. And so, if if that's the case, he's not. Again, if he wants to move somewhere else, he's not doing much to to increase his stock and to make sure that he gets paid wherever he goes next. So maybe he's incentivized to come back and play. Well, I mean, like best case scenario for all parties involved, whether he stays or goes, is for him to come back and play well, right yeah. before the end of the season. So yeah. again, he doesn't do much for himself nor for the team by for but for sitting out. You know, at this point, right. if he, he get so, I think the goal is still for him to probably be ready by mid-November at, at the latest. Yeah. I mean, if you're asking me my opinion on this, I say uh, you want him involved somehow. Um, whether or not the injury is the worst quad injury in the history of all quad injuries, I have no idea. Uh, I do know that I am not sure how motivated he is to come back right away to slog through a, you know, trying to make it into the playoffs. But once you get into the playoffs, uh, he should probably be at least a minute 60 sub that comes yeah. in and helps helps you win a game. Um, it feels like if if LAFC puts themselves into into contention in the next few games, right? Because there's, what, five games left now, right? Yeah. Right? So if they win... If they win three, the next three in a row, right, which is obviously a tall ass, but if they win three with two games left, I think he comes back with two games left heading into the playoffs. Yeah. A couple that, get right that games. Would be, mm-hmm. That, that yeah. would be my, my prediction. It's like if they're in position, he'll, he'll be back. Yeah. If they're not, then he sits. Yeah. All right. Somber Amarath. That's Somber Amarath. We have been here before. We cannot allow ourselves. Uh, to have our judgment clouded by this. The reality is there are still issues at this club and those is, and those issues are what have us celebrating the possibility of entertaining the notion that maybe we can make the playoffs. I love all those qualifying statements there at the end of that tweet, because that, that really is what, what we're all going through. We're entertaining the idea that maybe we might be able to sneak into the playoffs because as of tonight, they're still sitting out of the playoff picture. Uh, and again, yeah. some promising results, Two in a row. Uh, might get Atuesta back here in the next in the next week or so. The idea that Vela might show up as well. Um, but I think if there's one thing that Josh and I have been very clear on from the start of the season is that there are holes in the in this team, and those don't appear to be getting fixed all that all that soon. All right. What's the saying? It's the hope. It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> Spot on. All right. Corey at we don't post ever. A very ironic handle there. Duke or Sifu as attacking midfielder. I feel like we already handled this one. Duke is the attacking midfielder, right? Mm-hmm. And we want to see 
Sifu, especially if we're doing this 3-5-2, 3-4-1-2. We want Sifu in the double pivot. You pointed out that that's where he plays for Ecuador. That's where we've always seen him. Um, he doesn't have in they they don't play them in the same way as we talked about too. They play Sifu as a false nine, and Duke is more of a pure ten. Yeah, unless it's uh, unless it's Carlos Vela or Brian Rodriguez stepping into see into that role into that ten role, like Duke is really the only guy that belongs there, right? The, the only two guys that could unseat him are, you know, one of those two guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, Lionel Hutz at from cheap seat. For the love of God, can we end the Big Ben experiment at goalie? Uh, I like this nickname, Big Ben. Um, how does a six-six goalkeeper almost get chipped by Hara? Totally out of position on the second goal, barely flinched on the first. Take the loss and put Romero back in. Because he's no tall disagreement. And you can flip him for money. That's why. <laughs> Apparently, right. Give us all the speculation on on why Blackman is starting because I we don't know. All right, the artist formerly known as Danniness. Uh, I think it's time. I think it's the right time for Chicho to start wearing the captain's armband. Man, two of these comments tonight. I like this. Give it to him. Or or Atuesta, like you said. That's fine with me. Um, next one, Christopher Colonna at LAFC 2021. Nice win. Of course, we'll take it. But every time I, te- I see this team play, I keep coming back to the same thought. No matter how the season ends, there are only six, maybe seven guys who are currently on this roster who are good enough to be here next season. Uh, here are a couple of questions, though. Given his production since his arrival, should Arango be made one of our DPs heading into next season? Uh, I think Josh, you and I both prefer that he is not, only because that means we can sign more DPs. But you know, if if it if you have to sign him to DP money, then I say do it because it's probably worth it. Yeah. He's he's yeah. definitely worth it if that's the case. But like you're saying, like if you can have three DPs plus him, that's the, probably the best case scenario. Yeah, of course. All right. And if if Arango isn't made a DP, which position should LAFC spend DP money on for next season? Uh, another winger, a midfielder, central defender. Um, I'm I'm going into this assuming that if you sign Chicho to DP money and you keep Rodriguez, you sell Vela, and now you go with, oh gosh, I, I might say another winger, Josh. <laughs> if you if you end up selling Vela and you have Chicho and, and Rodriguez, I might say I might say winger. Uh, uh, to me, it depends on what happens with Atuesta, right? So if Atuesta walks because he's, you haven't sold, you know, like again, you yeah. don't have money, he's not under contract, so he's he's free to, to sign a free probably somewhere in Italy, some of that, right? Yeah. Like, I think I think you probably need to bring in an eight or a six, one yeah. of those two um, at that point. And, you know, again, like, give me it, give me Nicoladero and like somewhere, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And we're good to go. Well, I mean, what I would really, I would, I would love it if they sold Atuesta and signed a central midfielder as a DP. I made the case for Ross Barkley. Obviously, Ross Barkley is not going to happen. But I think especially if Atuas is gone, you really do need a defensive midfielder that uh, can do a multitude of things like Atuesta does. And you probably have enough talent on the wings to be okay, especially with Opoku coming back. Blessing can always play there. Uh, you know, you have you have a handful of players that can go out to the wing and, and play. Um, but... I'd be worried about the midfield heading into next season. If you've lost Atuesta, 
Janela still is kind of in no man's land. Sifu, you know, holds down one of those spots, but you're going to need some more, some more firepower in the midfield, I think. So now if you have a double pivot of Sifu and, and Janela, right, which kind of, they complement each other. And then you, then, then you spend, would you spend that DP on like a eight slash 10 in like a PT Martinez type of guy? to sew it all together me i mean i mean i mean not necessarily him specifically back? but this yeah. is assuming bob is back uh-huh then no because bob has shown that he doesn't he doesn't want that like he's got bryce duke there he makes impacts in games when he brings him in but he doesn't want that um he wants to get cute with see with the false nine or he wants the 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 Double eights, right? Um, no, I mean, but my question is: like, is it is it is it that what is that what Bob wants or is that what JT wants? Because I think those two things are have butted heads. I that's what I'm getting at is I think I think that would be more of a JT move, um, unless unless Bob, you know, maybe Bob that's what he's wanted this entire time and JT won't give it to him. But the thing is, I just don't see. I don't. I haven't seen Bob shoehorning people into that position and saying. This is what I want to play, and I don't care if it's Sifu. We're going to play him as a 10, no matter what. So that's what leads me to believe that it's, it's a Bob thing, not a JT thing, that they, don't, that they don't use a 10. But if you told me Ross Barkley was going to be signed, I'd be 100% on board. Here we are talking about Everton again. Questionable. <laughs> All right. Um the Bacchanal at the Bacchanal. Happy with the win, but how is Blackman an improvement over Romero? Short answer is he isn't. Josh, do you have anything to add on that? It's because he's tall. He's tall. That's it. He's five inches taller. Um, Tom Camilleri at BroncoFan07. Is it me or has Musovsky elevated his game recently when he's out there with Arango? They seem to mesh well. That said, what would a Rodriguez-Arango-Vela front line look like? Also, Bryce Duke doing things okay musovsky i think thrives in a two striker system if he's the only striker there's too much attention on him and he finally made a pass today which i loved he got the goal from chicho against uh san jose chicho had a great little like back heel pass through two defenders (laughs) kind of an absurd pass actually against san jose um but I, I do think he's been better with another like a strike partner. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah, I mean, I think like the reason why Musovsky's on this team, period, right, is he played well with Carlos Vela, right? Like in that yeah. in that four three three, like he he moves well. He's he's apparently really fast, according to Vince. Um, you know, in a straight line, um, not relative physical. to players on the field, but. Yeah. I'll believe. I I'll mean, believe his four four time or his forty time yeah. is is good. Like he's physical, um, you know. He, I mean, like I said, he. Do I want him to be? I mean, is is he basically a, a cheaper, a cheaper and actually scores more goal version of Christian Ramirez potentially? Right, like he, yeah. What yeah. has Musafi given us? What has he not given us that Ramirez didn't? Right, and I think part of that is just like Vela not being available in terms of what we, what else right. we could see from him. Um, and so I think, I think 
Musaski being elevated is is because Arango is capable of playing as a as a solo nine or as a guy that partners up or can drop in and he you know he and yet yeah. he's he's yeah. so versatile that I think it adds a lot to Moose's game and then it allows it allows his best attributes to come out right the same way that I think it did in that CCL run with Vela right yeah. when Vela's healthy and he can and he can work Musaski can make the run you know he makes good runs. Right, he's in good positions most of the time. Um, again, do you want him to be the guy that's finishing passes? No, but we didn't want that from Ramirez either. So, yeah. and again, again it, he does what he needs to to make other people better around him. So, I'm good yeah. with it. Tom, so Tom asks what a front three of Rodriguez, Arango, Vela looks like in a front line. I think it's it's an ideal front three in a four three three. You have Rodriguez, who's not selfish. He doesn't need to score all the goals. Um, Arango in the center and Vela, it puts everybody in their best position, right? Um, and uh-huh. we know that Vela wants to get his goals. Rodriguez has no problem dishing him out. Arango uh, is a great finisher, great in combination play. Um, so I think that's a dangerous front three uh, if you can get them on the field at the same time. But that's proven to be really difficult. So. Yeah, and then also having a backline that can support it as well, too, right? So it's yeah, like, yeah. If you have if you have Eddie Segura back there, it's a whole different story because you feel a lot more comfortable in a back two as yeah, opposed to a right. back three, um, and then you can load up that midfield to be more pragmatic, right? You can mm-hmm. have a Sifu Janela or Sifu Atuesta blessing midfield that just destroys play yeah. and lets the front three do their thing, right? Yep. All right, Josh, that's it. We made it. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back again. Man, is the next match? It's got to be this weekend, right? Who do we have? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm prepared for this one. Uh, next match is a, oh, the big swing match against Minnesota on Saturday. Saturday, five. Six-pointer. Yep, so we'll talk to you all on Saturday night. Uh, you can follow the show at counterpress underscore Josh. LAC Josh on Twitter. You can hit me up at Kirk Kinsey. We will talk to you all on Saturday. Good night. <laughs>